0: No matter where we face, we must face the moment of truth, baby.
1: And we're back for another episode of the Stereo Bros podcast, financial literacy series, here with a special guest. I'll let her introduce herself. But uh, so far, we've talked about, you know, debt attitudes, financial literacy, and we've spoken about how to save money and how to deal with debt. But what we haven't spoken about is some of the nine to five daily important tips on just how to maximize your job. So I'm here with
0: Denise Mason, um, benefits and systems manager at Carnegie Hall. Um, I don't know what else I want to say (laughs) about myself, Um, but I pretty much manage employee benefits, um, full cycle from onboarding to, um, to the full, full employee life cycle. And I've also, dabbled in compensation and a lot of generalists in terms of the HR market.
1: Perfect. And part of the reason why we wanted to talk to Denise is because benefits and employment, negotiation, those are all things that I think sometimes go untouched. Like, yeah, we get jobs and usually we're happy to have the job, but sometimes we don't do enough to maximize our time in the job. Even if that job is only a notch on the ladder of your career, There's still things you can do along the way to maximize your time there. So part of the conversation today is going to give you a lot of cool tidbits, a lot of information that I didn't know on how to walk in the door with a great offer, maximize your time there, and then, you know, if you have to exit, how to, you know, walk through that as well. So before we get into that, tell us about your background and what got you into your current career.
0: Well, I've been in HR for about 10 years, I think I'm approaching at this point in time. I started off as a generalist, so kind of got my feet wet in terms of everything in HR, full cycle recruitment, um, a little bit of diversity, a little bit of payroll even. So that kind of piqued my interest in terms of like the financial aspects and what you can do with your time and money at work. Um, and then I transitioned on. Um, Well, I actually went back to school to get my master's and that led me into kind of the benefits and compensation space. So I worked and I was fortunate enough to work under someone who was very skilled in that arena and picked up some good um, knowledge and um, expertise in terms of compensation and benefits.
1: Chris Jenner Um, or was it? No, no, (laughs) no.
0: Exactly. Um, (laughs) And then that just has led me to kind of find the best space to serve employees best in terms of benefits in comp. Um, I've since kind of tacked on systems as just a way of kind of keep myself marketable in the industry and um, just general interest in it as well. And just trying to follow the trends of the world and where we're going in the future and, you know, thinking about my career on the law in terms of the long haul.
1: So what got you into... The HR field? Did you grow up wanting to be like an HR generalist, I or was grows
0: it? Grows up wanting to be an <laughs> HR person. Um, <laughs> I ended up taking. Literally, I did not know what I wanted to do in ter- in my junior year in undergrad, and I thought I was going to be a nurse. I realized that say, wasn't for me. You went like a nurse
1: in college. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the agenda, but um, soon realized, that, oh no, no, thank <laughs> you. Couldn't see myself doing it my entire life, and at that point as well, I had already probably had about. Five, maybe six years of experience in healthcare under my belt. Because, of course, it went to Clairborn High School, health <laughs> sciences. <laughs> anyway, um, health sciences sort of exposed this to a lot in terms of healthcare. That's and a
1: great school. I got in.
0: Excellent school. I wasn't allowed
1: to go. Thanks, Dad.
0: Excellent school.
1: I think back in the day it was like 80% women so I wanted to go there and learn about you know.
0: You wanted to learn about? Nursing. nursing. Oh okay. Right.
1: And I'd have been on the basketball team you know averaging a calm seven points and I'd have been you know walking home from school within like five minutes and said I was forced to go downtown to school. It worked out though. It It worked worked
0: out. It worked out. (laughs) But yeah I had at that point already had quite a bit of um, healthcare experience on my belt. Um And I took a industrial psychology class.
1: IO? Is that what it's called? Okay.
0: You'll find that a lot of HR professionals either come from a background of psych, a background of finance in terms of their Mm. studies or sociology, things like that. But predominantly, I would say psychology, people management, it just makes sense. Um, So I took that class piqued my interest, um, ended up getting an internship um, at Planned Parenthood in undergrad, and that kind of just took off from there. So it's always been kind of the search to figure out where I best fit in terms of the HR field.
1: Nice, nice. So that's a really good perspective and background. So hypothetical job applicant A, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, How, like, at what point of the life cycle do you want to start the advice? Do you want to start at the point of, offer or do you want to start further back like when they're still trying to
0: further back um, and because by, by the time you get to the offer you're already like they've, we've already gauged it's, our, it's yeah. our job as HR professionals to gauge whether one we can afford you whether you're qualified at first and whether we can afford you so at that point in time we already know what we're paying you mm. so if that's when you're thinking about it you've already been got like this is a game uh. of chess and you're playing against a, a, a person that is a um, chess master.
1: <laughs> but why? Like, why does it have to be that way? Like- because
0: in HR, we're tasked with being res- responsible or loyal to the company as well as the employees. So it's a balance. So at, where it comes to dollars and cents, we're going to be loyal to the, in the company first and foremost, because we're just meeting you. You know, we're, we're probably not going to interact with you as much as on an everyday basis.
1: I yeah, so, definitely don't. Like, once you started a job, HR be like...
0: No, a bad HR team doesn't. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay. A bad HR team doesn't. Even myself, I make it um, a task to attend all the special interest groups, a meeting here and there, just so that they see your face, because... Hey, Barshawn. <laughs> hey, and N-M. Hey, N-M. Hey, hey, NM. Um... Just so that I you have to have a you know, know the temperature of your company. So I can't do that if I'm not tapped in. That's mm. where you get unhappy employees. If my employees aren't happy, I'm unhappy, I am unemployed.
1: <laughs> so it sounds like advice point one, know your worth and be prepared to have a number before you even get to the offer point.
0: Yes. Okay. And people are never prepared. I would say in terms of prepared applicants, I would say something about
1: 2%. I was definitely part of that, 98%. During mm-hmm. my last job search, I remember I called you, and I was just like, mm-hmm. hey, so I want to negotiate. And you had some phenomenal advice. You was like, no, you need to talk about this number, yeah. this, this. And, th-. and I'm like, are you sure? I mean, I, I just really want the job. you were like, no, just no, fucking do it. Just do it. And then I wound up going back to him. I was like, where did you get these numbers from? Like, They seem so defensive. Mm-hmm. And then I wound up caving because I, I was actually at a point where I just really wanted to get out of my last job Mm -hmm. and into that one. Um, But then when I was at the last spot and I wasn't necessarily looking and I knew what I could command Mm -hmm. and I knew what I was worth and we had more conversations, Mm -hmm. people would call and say, hey, so it was like big name companies, Mm -hmm. music labels, like, man, people calling. And I'm just like, well, here's my number like, well, here's what we can offer. I said, no, uh, I'll pass. And, And they're like, oh, my like, are you sure? I'm like, you know, I appreciate the call. But I'm good. And then I'll call back. So we were able to actually come up. We think we can actually, Mm -hmm. you know, work with you. And what helped, too, is I went to a workshop. I actually went to a conference. And a a CEO... No, he wasn't CEO. He was like a COO. (coughs) And then a business partner at a bunch of different companies. Mm -hmm. And he was saying... He's negotiated gym memberships. He's negotiated, you know, two working days and stuff like that. So I want to ask you... How do you approach the negotiation process? Because there's like your your base comp number, and then there's like, you know, fringe benefits, mm-hmm. but then there's also um healthcare
0: benefits. Healthcare benefits
1: and like bonus structure. Bonuses, what are some yes. of the considerations people should be thinking about as they're approaching that kind of conversation?
0: You the first thing you have to do is you have to know your industry. I say start with the industry. Know what your industry is yielding at that point in time. And you have to As an HR professional, um, I am constantly like kind of, well, for the industries I'm interested in, if I if I would ever think that I may transition to that industry or consider it in terms of if an offer was presented to me, I know what the temperature feels like at that comes at that in that industry. So I know if I go to like a retail, that is not an industry that is bringing in the bank as they used to in in the um, previous year. But shout out to them, yes. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> if you go to financial services, you know there's the, the money is there. You know, there's some fields, so you have to know your industry. There are some fields that are gonna be more lucrative than others. And what Suzy Q is making over in the financial services industry, you're not gonna make it a nonprofit. So that's the first thing. The second layer of it is know the company. People don't research the company, get on that company's page, read, you know, there are just some basic things like read about the company, look it up, but think about who are the, who's on the board of trustees of that company, you know? So even though they may not be, are they tied into a larger entity, you know, are they part of a group of brands? Because sometimes the company of itself is not making money, but they may be tied to Um, Another group of brands is bringing in money and is, you know, helping them meet numbers because they have to stay on brand. um, So they'll spend the money. Mm -hmm. Um, They're reporting to a larger structure um, or they are um, they have, you know, uh, board members that are financing certain aspects of their business. So you have to know that as Mm -hmm. well. And then you get down to the layers of what is the job that I'm applying for? in the city that I'm applying for it as well. Cause just because Suzy Q is making over in you know Los Angeles, this amount of money does not mean that in Pennsylvania, you're going to get that as well. So you have to do your research. If you were studying to get, if you were getting, seeking a degree, you would put in the time mm. and the hours to know what it You need to get to that degree to the end right. point. So you have to do the same thing where it comes to trying to acquire a job and developing your negotiation strategies and what that number should look
1: like. That's solid. So then what are the, some of the, so once you have your strategy in place, what are some of the things that you should negotiate? Like, what are maybe, I don't know, three to five things that mm-hmm. people don't negotiate? Because I think salary, I don't know if you want to touch on that, but mm-hmm. I think salary is one, one of the ones where, you know, what, what I was told, you know, even my, you know, folks like yourself is to kind of go up 15% and then, also get a gauge for what the industry is calling for. So if, mm-hmm. if the industry is paying $100 a year, mm-hmm. um, tack on, let's say, 15%, mm-hmm. and then, based on your qualifications, if there's anything else that you bring to the table that's different, you, you can tack on a little bit more, mm-hmm. but this way, th- like, that gives you a range. So if they fall right in your range, mm-hmm. it's not that you should necessarily try to push for more, mm-hmm. it just means that they're on point with, with how they're thinking. Exactly. If they're way below that could be a sign of like financial issues in the company mm-hmm. or them trying to lowball you. And then for for me, I feel like if I'm lowballed, like the antenna's are already up. Mm-hmm. Like I'm already not trusting yeah. the situation.
0: Um. Well, being lowballed w- is not a personal thing.
1: B- but when I say lowballed, if, if the industry's paying 100
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you come with 70, if you come with like 85, 90,
0: it's I It's still it. not personal. I do think you should run. Because <laughs> something is seriously wrong. Um, and that's not a company that you'll grow with anyway. Right. Um, most companies will have a compensation structure. Most companies have already decided before you walk in the door at what percentage of market that they will pay. So that's why you want to be somewhere. You will, if you do your research, you'll hit somewhere in that range. That even if you're com- that company, is paying at the 50th percentile or 75th percentile, you will be in the range because you've done your research. You understand the industry. You understand the company. You understand the city in which you're applying for this role. And those things will influence where you should fall in that range. So it's never personal. Um, No one is seeking to lowball you. It costs a lot of money to fill a role. It costs a significant amount of money to fill a role. HR, it's a difference like... There's also an issue if you're, it's different if you're speaking to an HR person and you're making those, having those offers. But there are some companies that may not have a uh, developed HR team or a sufficient HR team. And maybe for some, you may be having this conversation with like a hiring manager or something like that. Um, someone more, Talent acquisition
1: uh, is the same thing as HR was
0: talent acquisition is a is a fragment it's a, it's of it's a function right it's a function in hr um but at some companies depending on the size of the company you may not be speaking to an hr person in terms of negotiating your salary
1: i'm going to talk to your boss to <laughs> your fucking boss man
0: unfortunately um <laughs> i'm um i when i try to give advice i try to give advice from everyone from you know entry level all the way up you know at, at our level we're not having these kind of conversations but for anyone that may be Listening to this podcast that is at the entry-level phase of their career, you may be running into those types of issues. Um, It's never... So that's the only time I would say it may be personal. If it's coming from HR, I promise you, it is not personal. Mm. We don't have... Not that we don't have that kind of pull, but it is our... It is a part of our job to develop a structure, So, and there's legislation in place as well to keep us in line with that structure. Mm. So that's why I say it's never personal. You're not, usually if you're being, unless you're being hired into HR, this is not someone you're going to be seeing every day. So we don't care what you're getting paid.
1: Ah, okay. We don't care.
0: We're not the one, you know. If it was the person that you're going to be working with, I could see how there may be some bias there because they're probably looking at their own salary and they're like, hmm, Mm. You know, I don't want you to make too much more or less than me or whatever the case is. But.
1: So if if you offer 100, so if a market is 100 and you offer 80, the person says, OK, do you look at them like, why would you not fight for more? Like if you're if the highest you can go is 90 and they just take 80. Are you looking at them like.
0: No, that that's a pretty close um, window. I have lowballed myself, I guess you can say it in, in some opportunities, because sometimes you're trying to get a foot in the door. Right. Um, because I, for instance, this physical position, I knew what the market was for my role and I knew what the company would, the range of where the company would hit fall. Um, and I went a little bit, not below range. I went on the lower end of the range because I was new to solely managing a system. And on top of that, it was a system I had never managed before. Mm. Um, I had worked with every other HR system in the, in the market, but I hadn't worked with this one. So it's kind of like I'm building a cushion in there for myself where it's like not an expert on this system. So you have to understand that I'll be developing in this role. So with that comes, it's a part of negotiation with that comes, I'm going to slide a little bit off the side of what I know you should pay me, but we're making an agreement and we'll revisit this in a year when I kill this role. Mm. So I am, it's, it's a larger conversation And that's not that conversation is not happening because I'll tell you straight up, I'll take 75, I'll take 85, I'll take 95, I'll take 100. If this is whatever, but there needs to be a conversation in there. I have seen people where they'll say, okay I'll take 50,000 and, you know, they have no concept of what this role should be paying. We're still going to hire you.
1: Are you gonna look at them like in the back of your mind? Are you like this person? It's a fizzle. Like, come on, champ! Like, you, you could have got a call. I in 65 would. For that.
0: I would, but that's probably why I'm not in in talent because <laughs> I'm my 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 face tells everything. Really, you don't take that? So I'd probably, be, especially if I'm black or brown. Excuse me, yeah. on, in my ethics. Um, but um, I'd probably be like, mm, 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 you know, but um. <laughs> Some companies don't even put you in that space because they'll tell you straight up. That's why I have worked with many recruiters in uh, my career. And for the person who maybe doesn't want to do that, most C-suite executives will not search or not searching for their own roles. They're working with a recruiter. A recruiter will reach C-suite out to C-suite
1: is what exactly?
0: They're the executive level, the, the higher ups. Are
1: there other suites? <laughs>
0: um i don't know maybe there are um but um yeah they're they're having someone do all of this that i'm telling you that people should do
1: and are they at a certain number of years like is c-suite certain roles or is like certain number of years in the profession like
0: both it's it's year it's so it's your executive team it's your your executive um committee it's your your leadership team um just using different phrases that you'll hear at different companies um, but they are the ones that I guess in the legal world it would be the, the partners. Okay. Yeah. Um. I
1: haven't looked for last job. I looked for was through my phone. Like I don't, I don't look for jobs anymore. Um, that's. But certain so in certain industries like the medicine, the medical field, the legal field. It's mostly lockstep comp. Exactly. So it's great because you don't have to negotiate anything. Mm-hmm. You focus on the role in in the tech world, um, marketing. You you work a lot of hours, but you don't really start to see the money until you become like yeah. senior or something or manager or something. Your first few roles, like, I remember laddering from one job to another job, and I'm just like, it's a different kind of role, but I'm like, they gotta have more bread than this. And back then I would kind of do like, they would say, Oh, we can offer you, for instance, we can offer you $30. Mm-hmm. I'd say. I'll actually take 45. And then they say, okay, you know, let's get back to you, come back. We only got 30 for you. And I'm like, every time I've done that and I've taken that was because I was moving from like Albany back to the city. Ah. Or I was driving way too far every day for work and wanted to be back in the city. Mm -hmm. So I was willing to get, like you said, my foot back in the door. So I was willing to take shorter bread because I knew with the comfort I could crush it and then be on and my way have, yeah. in like mm-hmm. 18 months or less and then I just have a timer when I'm like okay if this is true you, you're paying me I'm gonna I'm come in and smile every day and then one day I'm gonna come like hey that's want to have a conversation so I'm giving you my notice and you're like we didn't expect this at all Ugh. Well,
0: this is why I like people to have the conversation. So if you're coming in and you know, you're taking a lower salary, like the, the candidate that I respect is the candidate that says to me straight up. OK, you guys are offering 65 for this position. OK, I'll take it because of whatever your reasoning is. Um, but come my review. I would like to get to this point. If it is that I'm not going to I don't think this is the role for me but this is what I would like. So if you guys are seriously considering me knowing know that at this point in time um, this is where I want to be. Whether that is in another role or you know in my present role which you guys decide to find because sometimes you find money. All the time you find money in companies, you know. So um you. It might be that okay. We're hiring this person. That's happened many a times. We're hiring this person at this salary because these salaries that are the, the the range was already decided on before. Um, and even when it's decided on, I've seen many a times. Okay, let's throw a little extra. Something right, in right, there. right. Um, they're already decided on before once we develop that requisition for that role. So that doesn't mean you can't have that conversation and speak to your intent in the future, because every year we do budgets, every year there's you know, (laughs) consideration to different things. The team may change. Right. We may decide that this team needs to be restructured. This role is no longer needed. You are covering enough of the work in this department. You know, things may software may age out and we don't need this particular um, technician anymore. Things may happen. So. Too many times this is a one-sided conversation. Right. It needs people need to feel comfortable that it is should be two-sided. You know, you sh- you also we want you to be happy because we don't want to fill the troll again.
1: Right. Now, that's that's perfect advice on, you know, just the salary. What about three to five things that people mm-hmm. don't negotiate, but they probably should.
0: Yes, that's where we started. So I'm gonna to speak to benefits first because people don't think about their benefits as a part of their total compensation. Um, if anything is taken from this conversation that we're having going forward, it's that everyone listening should know that your salary is not just the number the dollars and cents that come through payrolls payroll every year. When your role is created, we look at it from a total comp perspective. your your PTO time, pay time off, vacation sick, personal your benefits package, your um, your gym memberships, all of those extra perks, those fringe benefits, that is all considered into your um total compensation. So that's the first thing I need people to do. Look at the big picture. Don't look at the dollars and cents because you may be making the same money at company A and go to company B and you're bringing home less even though the salary mm. is the same. But so look at your benefits and in terms of like financial progression think about all the things that you can do with your benefits to make yourself more um lucrative through that and through the support of that company and what that's that's going to look for you look like for you and your family if you have one long term um look at your negotiate everything negotiate 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 your work structure i don't really like to come into the office before 10 o'clock <laughs> so where i don't care what your office hours are um
1: here's mine <laughs> take it or leave it
0: it's not that hard of a conversation <laughs> but you know usually i am yeah um 9 30 10 are you cool with that um but I am also probably one of the last employees leaving the company as well. So if you value that, there has to be a immediate match. And, you know, finding the right job is about is like a matchmaking. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is not going to work with every company, but that just tells you that that's not the company for you.
1: Exactly. I think sometimes, again, to just jump in real quick. Sometimes I think we're so happy to be in the building that we don't do enough to make it like a give and take and a, a collaborative effort to build a relationship because yeah. again the company doesn't want to have to keep filling the role but you don't also want to keep jumping from job to yes. job you want to be in a place where you can actually plant your flag and and grow a bit mm-hmm. and sometimes people will say well the office hours are eight to this and instead of you saying well i'm a morning person can i do like a seven to whatever mm-hmm. or i'm a a, a a late starter so i want to come in at 9 30 but i will be there till seven instead of kind of gauging that we don't, because in certain industries that may not work in finance where the market Mm -hmm. closes at four, you may be able to get away with an earlier day, especially if it's a company that's based in in the UK. If you say, I want to start at six and go to like three or four, they may say yes Mm -hmm. because that works for them. But if it's a company that's based in Cali, Mm -hmm. that may not work because you're going to be cutting the day off way too early. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to the making it like a conversation where it's kind of like a give and take as happy as you may feel to be in a building, you should also know that you're like you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate.
0: Exactly, exactly. And we need to realize, as um even as black and browns, that we're usually maybe twenty five percent under what our counterparts, and then some, are walking in the door. Asking me. like <laughs> the audacity.
1: I'll take a calm. If Mark's hundred, I'll take the like one one forty five.
0: I get and reg- regularly see um, coordinators, admin assistants walk in the door and they're calling out some numbers that you're like,
1: are they getting so these numbers?
0: how do you, did you arrive at this exactly? Like, you know, because they're not doing it either. They're not doing their research either. Um, but it doesn't affect them as much as it affects black and brown communities. Um, so we, like in many other areas, are forced to be even more prepared because we will probably get lowballed <laughs> in that kind of instance they are more they're often more in more certain more instances will get what they are worth and then some so um but in terms of three things going back to that, definitely look at your full total comp calculate out your benefits. one of the things that we do at Carnegie is when where it comes to your benefits we show you the total cost of your benefits and then we show you what portion of that we are covering so you can literally calculate what that is you know affording you in terms of additional income um you want to look at pre-tax benefits you know a lot of people say i save countless amounts of money every year in terms of pre-tax benefits so that goes from everything from your transit expenses your retirement savings, your health care premium contributions as well. You know, there are tons of pre-tax savings and you're going to spend the money anyway. I encourage everybody to at least explore the options of how to go about doing that. Um, and then you want to um, know what your work life time, you know, how much time you pretty essentially have to spend in the office or would like to spend in the office. Um one of the one of the major benefits that we have at Carnegie is a summer Friday. Um <laughs> what? We, have a, we have Summer Fridays. Um and it's it's amazing how many people walk in the door and don't even know we have Summer Fridays. You know, the value add that you get.
1: So is that summer Fridays off or you leave it like,
0: off, completely off.
1: So but it starts in like July though. It is from July through the Labor Day weekend. Okay, good, good, good. (laughs) Because these CUNY workers be out from like June to like Labor Day. (coughs) Yes. Most I had it at some of my spots was like a beer Friday where it was actually kind of a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Every Friday, depending on if they do it at like two, it's dope. It's like two, there's like open bar. Yeah. And it's like beer, wine, you can kind of just get some horse, horse dovers, and, <laughs> and like just kick it and just, I've met so many, it's a great networking opportunity, but you also get to like, unwind a little bit into the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um Depending on the industry, especially you find that more in places where there's like open office type yes. structure. Um But that's another thing too. It's like, when you go to these different jobs, you should know what you are comfortable with. Like mm-hmm. I've had jobs where I worked from home primarily. Mm-hmm. And then I had jobs where I worked from home once, twice a a week. Now I'm always in the office. I like, I actually like being in the office if I have an office. Yes. If it's open office. Same here. I'm work from home because open office, I have no privacy. Mm -hmm. I have a home office. We're sitting in it right now. Like, I'd rather be able to just like tune out and do what I have to do as opposed to like open office. You're sitting there typing and someone's like, hey, so who won the game yesterday? And you're like, but what's even worse if you sit next to your manager and they're like, What's this email I'm talking about? And I'm just like, yes. Bro, like, <laughs> and I'm I'm very methodical when it comes to like email. Uh-huh. I check my email nonstop. Mm-hmm. I'm very organized with email. So if you're not and I gotta work with you, that's just like yeah. it's a no go. Yeah. Because it's nothing that I despise most than being disturbed to answer a question. That you could already answer on your own if you just like scroll down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But these are all things when you're searching for these jobs and you're interviewing, ask the tough questions. Mm -hmm. So if you're going into a place where it's like you feel like there hasn't been enough diversity, or something happened on the news that's crazy, ask about it. Mm -hmm. Like if this job just had a situation where somebody jumped off the building and then wrote a letter saying that every everyone in there was a misogynist Mm -hmm. and and did did coke on Fridays. If you interviewed it and you don't ask about that, you look unprepared yep. because it's the elephant in the room. But you also should show that you're invested in knowing that this company has a way to get around those things. Because when those things happen at companies, mm-hmm. it's not that the company's bad. It's that you want to see that the company has a culture where they will fix things that are wrong, mm-hmm. right? And if you're not, you know, asking these questions again, you, you look desperate know. and I think back to some of my job interviews. I think I, I interview, you know, solid. But I think back to some of my my conversations around comp and negotiations. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I left a lot of money on the table. Mm-hmm. But it all worked out because it got me to where I wanted to be. Yeah. Right? So, but... I mean,
0: it's a learning experience. You know, you're never going to do it. Like, unless you are the son of a compensation specialist who has had multiple years in the, in the business, you know most people won't know like how to kind of navigate your career especially in the early stages you know it just kind of comes with the territory right. once you pass a certain level but um you you just won't know but you know speak to people i'm a big networker um so that you know um what your counterparts um are experiencing Um, you know, you know, your resources, you can build a network.
1: What are some resources and networks that like in the HR field, I'm sure, you know, like the HR networks and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Right. But in a general sense, are there any places people can go to kind of like a free resource or two that they can go to, for instance, if I'm going for a marketing job and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what a market, uh, senior marketing person. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I don't know the analysts, marketing well, that's, analysts, that's right? More like, is
1: there a place I can go to, kind of get a gauge for what the range is? Because every time I Google like a role, and I go to like um, one of the I guess free sites, mm-hmm. they want you to sign in and give an email to figure out what the range is. And even when you click on like the little range thing, there's some. What is it? Indeed, where it's like, yeah interviews salary mm-hmm. reviews when well, you click on salary it's all grayed out unless yeah. you like sign up up for it. I'm are there sure. any places you can go to find like general industry information that's free on like salary ranges
0: I I don't know of a there are lots of resources I don't know of a really good one
1: should you pay for anyone mm-hmm. in particular if you really need it no or?
0: no I think what would better suit someone looking for something like that is people need to have a you need to have your in terms of your networking circles you need to have a networking group that you're invested in at that too um that is industry specific whether that's the industry that you're in but or the industry that you want to be in um because you can just ask someone a question and hr professionals go to every industry networking <laughs> mm. event. Um, you know, wh- whatever industry, if it's a sp- specific industry networking event, you will find at least one HR person in the room. Because we're looking, or a recruit, recruitment person. Because we're looking for the talent. So we have to be in the room. Right. Um, Yeah, everyone should have a industry-specific networking group and a... um A... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> this yeah, right. little finger. Um... <laughs> And a um a profession, your particular role, um specific networking group. Mm. And I think those are the best because one, you can go to a site, but a site is global. So it's hard to take all that data and parse it down and parse it down for you in Iowa trying to get an entry level, you know, legal role or whatever. So, you need to, we need to connect people. Like, technology has kind of taken over our world, but we need to connect to people because there's nothing better than getting out of the horse's mouth. Right. So, I've seen those sites. We don't use those sites. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's little, like, I've built compensation structures before and. We literally are going out to research teams, pulling that data, getting it industry-specific, getting it city-specific, getting it by the role. You know, it's a whole thing to it. So that can't be captured on a website that you're going to get free access to. You know, they're literally right. paying someone six figures to do that. Wow. So you're not going to get that on a website. You know, they 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 do an okay job, um, but they're not going to get it right, especially for your higher, your longer tenure careers. I would say if you are in the junior level of your career, you need to know what your um, local and statewide legislation says and federal legislation, because a lot of the times that will tell you what your role should be getting paid. Um, you, I think everyone should kind of look at that um, structure as well to know whether your job is exempt and non-exempt, because that was a big issue. A lot of regulation has kind of you know, stabilized that now. But um, a lot of people... Um, we're working overtime when their roles, or we're not getting paid overtime when their roles should have been getting paid overtime, mm. or should be classified you, at a higher salary. How do
1: you? So most people <clears throat> can't read like legislation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So how do you like? How do you know what to read and when to read it? Right.
0: Um. That this is this is the other reason why I believe in the networking groups because most of the times it will host events that will break all that stuff down for uh. you. Um, but Bill, also... Bill
1: X passed, here's what you need to know.
0: Exactly. Um, also, um, even if you, you're keeping on a, a listserv of a particular organization...
1: Listserv, right? I heard that word in <laughs> a long time. Oh, man.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, even if you're on the, the mailing list of a particular organization, um, they will get certain information out to you in real time. Like, I I've always maintain my membership to Sherm, the Society of Human Resources Management, because there's nothing that comes down the pike that they don't Sherm? notify. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a drug that people use. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. I All mean, right. it's
1: places like Yonkers and like LA that use that. Oh, it's like angels or something like that. that. Never really? heard that. Shermhead? You never heard of Shermhead? No. Good. Good.
0: That means I've been living a very clean life, There you it? go. There we go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, keep keep connected to, because a lot of the, um, I know I'm connected to a lot of legal um. Oh, what's the um? It's a really good one. Um, oh my god, it's like an advocacy group.
1: MBBA Nylag. Oh, it's NIPERG. not. It's,
0: it's 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 um. They like manage cases for a lot of people. Legal
1: Aid Society.
0: Legal Aid Society is good, but there's another one. They have offices in the city, actually. But um, they have actually been really good. I'm gonna remember the name and I'll shoot it to you. And um, you can tag it or
1: what? Nylag Um,
0: it's it's a really simple. Fancy lawyers really, for the
1: arts um bronx defenders brooklyn defenders federal defenders <laughs> i'm not going to um, remember right
0: now but um but there are organizations like that because i have i'm tapped into a lot of legal organizations that will send me so i'm already getting it from sherm and i'm getting it from them and a lot of times the legal firms do an even better job of breaking it down um, and it's free those are free really good free resources you know um, just, but that's more entry level because that's going to tell you, okay, the minimum this is, is, this, you know, if you are exempt, these are, the, you know, this is how you arrive at whether your role is exempt or non-exempt and those types of things.
1: So one thing that I see a lot from people, and this bothers me to my core, mm-hmm. people go to college, don't get a job, graduate, and they're like, college was a waste of time. And the entry level jobs want you to have experience. What are like from an HR perspective, what can people in college right now do to prepare themselves for jobs? Because the one thing I hate seeing is people graduating without jobs and blaming anyone but themselves. Yeah, I feel like when I graduated college all those years ago, the market wasn't good. It was hard when I
0: graduated.
1: When I graduated undergrad, jobs were coming to the campus like, yo, bro, like it was the big four accounting firms. It was any big company you can name. People I, I knew who didn't even have IT degrees and comp side degrees were getting IT jobs mm-hmm. and getting a, uh, consulting jobs in these big companies because they went to the interview. I was blown off interviews. I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm here for another year. I'm doing this grass. Mm-hmm. So then now the grassroots winding down. I'm going to the same job fairs. And where it was last year, 11 employers, there's one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. So I spoke to one of the recruiters that was there. He was like, hey, I'm from last year. I was like, what's up? I'm here. You see me out here, bro? right? What's up? He's like, yo, the market is crazy. Mm-hmm. You got an accounting minor? I said, nah. He's like, I can't help you right now, bro. Keep in contact, though. like. And he was honest. I'm like, yeah. yo, thank you. Because I was I was like, yo, where's everybody at? They were only hiring for accounting jobs. And I called all my people that was back in the city. They was like, yo, bro, like, they doing mad they, they They firing yeah. mad people. I still wind up landing on my feet because Mm -hmm. I did free tutoring for one of the people on campus Mm -hmm. for his office. So he had a friend in the governor's office that needed a job that needed somebody in the IT Mm -hmm. field and I'm like I'll I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And that was my first job. My first real job in IT was working for the governor. Mm -hmm. Right? But I see so often that people say I can't Get a job, or I went to college for nothing. If you're in college and you're partying and you're having a good time, but you're not thinking about your future at all times, something's wrong. But I also think that people in college sometimes don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So, what like what are like some basic things that, that you can do in college to prepare yourself for you know the real world? Grades are obvious, right? Like you, you should maintain your grades. Mm-hmm. You should network. Mm-hmm. You should apply to like SEO and inroads if you want to go into uh, the business world. Mm -hmm. But from an HR perspective, um, are there anything anything people can add to their resume while in college that'll make them a bit more attractive?
0: I mean, um, organizations help. And not just like campus-wide, national organizations. A lot of times you can bring a chapter, if it doesn't already exist, of a national organization. I mean, people recognize names people recognize, you know Sometimes things that are we normal.
1: have to cry we Sometimes. have to cry
0: you know but even for those that like by the time I graduated like aka was like the last thing I put on my 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 list you know I had already done so many other things um so that didn't make it for me it was a mm. great accent it served me pretty well um, but there were other things like, you know, and for those people who are just not interested in that life, um, there are other national organizations that you can partner with and they just want the presence in your area. And that's now the weight of an organization that you're, you're working with. So I think for, for undergraduates, that's really great. Even when I was in grad school, I decided that, um, the we were kind of in partnership with NYU in terms of the same the SHRM um, chapter. I decided, okay, I'm gonna you know run this. I'm gonna be a pro- SHRM is respected. If you're an HR professional, you know SHRM.
1: Every time we say SHRM, I think of you people think on about- YouTube like <laughs> blasting off like, <laughs> oh,
0: oh my god! But that exactly, you know, I knew when I after I got my master's that I was gonna have to look for work because I one I have all this knowledge that I want to use. And at that point in time, I want to transition into a new space for more money, for more, you know, opportunity, all of the above. So I knew that I already have this job on my resume. And yes, that's great. But what other things can I add right. that will I can speak to? And when you add things, you need to know how to speak to them.
1: Stop, stop fluffing your resume up with stuff that you can. Yes.
0: Seen. Yes. I, I have never lied on my resume. I think you're better off. I like the candidate more that has potential and can speak to that potential than you throwing some BS on your resume. You really can't do it. There's no more uncomfortable feeling than getting to a job. And no one is training anymore. Like you get such little training in these days. That's so true. So you're going to be on your own.
1: But the good thing is that you're getting less training, but nowadays there's so much free information on the internet, like mm-hmm. Stanford, MIT, all these schools, they put up old courses, especially in comp sci. Mm-hmm. They put up old courses, and we actually, we actually uh, spoke about this. Yes. They put up old courses for free. You can go through the entire course, mm-hmm. take the exams, do the lesson, you can do everything and get the information. You won't get the degree, but you'll mm-hmm. get the information, yes. and you can do with that you can do with that, you know, whatever you want you to. You can
0: do a lot with it. I, like I said, if you can speak to... Like, you have to speak the language. Like, I can't walk in a room and pretend to be a lawyer because I don't even speak the language that you speak, you know, and vice versa. Because people are going to recognize if you're in a room with a, with, a, with professionals, they have a lingo, you know, to whatever industry that is, whatever role that is. That's true. So even in doing my master's... I had never had a benefits role. So I really didn't learn, know how to speak the language prior to that. So I literally would sit with my professors and just absorb everything that they had. So when I once I had that opportunity to get into that room, I sounded like I was already had, you know, two, three years in, in terms of benefits under my belt because I was already speaking the lingo. And they're like, okay, now I don't have to teach you
1: so how would you fire someone well actually yeah. people fire themselves so i all i knew was just hand them a piece of paper oh, and they signed
0: man. it yes people do fire themselves <laughs> at a good or organization I'll, I'll add that but yeah um internships i always have an intern there are so many people that are willing to give back um but they're just not they're not going to look for you mm. They're not going to look for you. So you have to look for them. I don't have time to look for you. Right. But if you come to my... I'm like, sure, great. Set this up. Let's, I've always had an intern. Um, I presently have an intern.
1: <laughs> right.
0: You know, and that gives... Now you get the opportunity um, to impart skills. And you get the opportunity to gain skills from this person that is doing this job every day. You can
1: ask a lot of questions. You can ask be and it. It's questions. so low stakes for you because you can literally F up a thousand times... Ask, ask a lot of questions. questions. I Like, I loved all my internships. Now, <laughs> most internships, <laughs> I loved them because I, and I always went above and beyond. They said, hey, just, you know, do these three things. Mm-hmm. I try to crush the three and get like four or five more, but yes. I would also ask a lot of questions like, okay, the why. Um, most of my internships turned into like job offers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that, I don't know if it's a generational thing or like, I, I, I can't say it's even generational because I know people that are born- in the 90s that are super hungry. Mm-hmm. I know people want in the 80s that are super full acting. Like they act as if, you know, <laughs> something's old to them. But um is there any other tidbit or any other, you know, common mistake that you feel like the Browns <laughs> make mm-hmm. in either pursuing jobs, keeping jobs, onboarding? Mm-hmm. From the HR perspective, is there anything else that you but
0: want man, to you know- add? Like, the, the major thing is that we have to be... The best thing I've learned in my career is that I am just as good and oftentimes even better. So now when I walk in a room, all those insecurities do not stunt my growth.
1: The syndrome is real, though. Uh.
0: So I think you have to... I believe in mental health days and it's not necessarily um, seeing a therapist or really actually dealing with a mental illness. It's it's preventative, in my opinion.
1: I'm just not going in today.
0: I'm not coming in today. I need to reaffirm who I am. I need to remind myself what I am worth.
1: And binge watch some shows while binge
0: watching watch in between, and you know, do things that validate you. Because you're not going to get it. Like, people are constantly looking for an opportunity to bring you down. Because they're so concerned with themselves. Right. So, just reaffirming and knowing you have to put the work in. So, none of this works if you don't put the work in. Because a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to do this, do that, do that. I'm going to ask for this money. And they're not putting the work in. I've worked my ass off in my career, you know. When a lot of people were gone, I was there till 9 o'clock. You know, because sometimes maybe I don't know it and I need to learn it in 24 hours. So if you're willing to do that, you will get where you need to be and you'll get what you're worth. You just have to put the work in.
1: I think that's a really good point to leave off on. Denise, thank you for your time. Um,
0: Anytime.
1: (laughs) This is part four of the financial literacy series. Wait, is it part four? Yeah, 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 it's part four. It's part four. I had to think for a second. Over and out.